0: Happy Monday, starting a new week with the Just Baseball Show. This is Monday, November 15th. Jack McMullen, Arm Layton. I'm just going to throw you a scenario right now. The Lions just tied the Steelers, so they're still winless. It looks like they're on the fast track to the number one overall pick. If they take Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, they might say, you know what, Kayvon, play D-tackle. Play inside. We really like what Michael Brockers is doing on the outside here. And on a completely unrelated note, I heard something about Bobby Witt a couple of days ago. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tie-in. Were you, were you preparing that one all day? I mean, I I saw this and I said, what is this equivalent to? Because this is our favorite prospect in baseball, who we think is the best prospect in baseball, and you've got the Royals saying that they want him to play third base so you can keep Nicky Lopez at short. Nicky Lopez. That's okay, so here's the thing. I view Nicky Lopez and Michael Brockers very similarly. Michael Brockers Really good was, players. Yeah, he was a top 15 pick. Like, there is no offense to Nicky Lopez or Michael Brockers. But when the idea was floated that Taylor Walls was going to be the shortstop and Wander Franco was going to be the everyday <laughs> third baseman, it was just like, fuck all the way off with yes. Him. Yes. There, was no, there was no validity to that whatsoever because you've got the crown jewel of minor league baseball in Wander Franco. If he's a shortstop, he's going to play shortstop. You adjust your team around who you think is going to be a superstar and a perennial all-star for your team and your best shot at being the bell cow for a World Series team. You've got that in Bobby Witt if you're Kansas City. And you're trying to keep Nicky Lopez at short again, really good defensive shortstop phenomenal. Really good with the batting average stuff. Good hitter, but he's not Bobby Witt. He will never be Bobby Witt. Michael Brockers will never be cave Thibodeau. And that's my vent to open the episode. <laughs>
1: well, I'm with you. And, and that's something that I, I think, you know, we both were on the same page the second we saw that that was mentioned. Didn't like, this isn't, this isn't, a rod moving to third for Derek Jeter. That's not what this is. And again, Nicky Lopez is a really good, really good shortstop. He hit 300 this past year. He also slugged 378. Uh, this is a guy that has to hit 300 to be valuable offensively. Yeah, like has to. He hit 300 at a 106 WRC plus. <laughs> His margin for error is razor thin. Bobby Wood Jr. had almost as many home runs taken from him last year. As Mickey Lopez hit, he had one taken away. Lopez hit two. Because Witt really should have had another home run, which would have given him, what, 35, 34, 35? I think so. Like, Bobby Witt has show-stopping ability. And let's not forget here, Bobby Witt could win a gold glove too. (laughs) Like This isn't, you know what I'm saying? This isn't Bobby Witt not being great defensively at shortstop. This isn't like a, even like a Fernando Tatis Jr. situation. If Fernando Tatis Jr. had the ability to play third and be better there and, and the Padres had a gold glove caliber shortstop, I still wouldn't want to do it. But I would even maybe argue that it's more justifiable there because Tatis isn't really good at shortstop. And if the, if the Padres don't feel like he can develop there, then like maybe that makes more sense. That's more of that A-Rod move, even right. though A-Rod was phenomenal at short. Like Bobby, Wood's a guy that could win gold gloves himself? So why are we delaying this development for your franchise player for Nicky Lopez, who you could actually sell high on trade and use that to kind of build up the rest of your squad. You still have Alberto Mondesi. You still have the super utility man. And that sells him short in Whit Merrifield who could play second. If you need him to could probably play third. Like You got dudes that could play all over. You're in a fine situation. Why, why are we moving Bobby Witt to third base where I know he'll be great, but let's develop one of the best potential shortstops in
0: baseball. If it all works out. Yeah. And, and you can view it as plainly as if you have an amazing shortstop, there are fewer amazing shortstops that can do everything really well. Then there are, there are a few, there are fewer serviceable shortstops than there are serviceable third basemen. Yeah, That's what I'll say. I think third is a deeper position than short shorts, a premium. And I get it. You know, a lot of the top prospects when they're coming up, play shortstop. That's why they're the top prospect. Yeah, You can get a five hitter so much easier at third or a corner infielder than you can as a middle infielder. And if you love Nicky Lopez this much, have him play second base. Like you said, super utility, maybe selling him short with Merrifield. I mean, put him at third put him in right, put him in left. He can play anywhere on any given day. You've got Mondesi to kind of move around too. You can have chess pieces. Why make the top prospect in baseball a chess piece?
1: Yeah. Like let's, let's
0: develop this guy
1: as the superstar that he could be. And this is somebody that I want to see develop at shortstop. Watching Wander Franco play short was so fun this year because we saw him just, just develop before our eyes. Right. When we saw him defensively, I think he booted the one ball. I don't care. When we saw him defensively in the playoffs, like he was so comfortable out there, right? Like he looked even better than I'd seen him in the minor leagues in A earlier yeah. that year. He was just so comfortable. And the arm plays, like this was something that I think gave him a lot of confidence moving into next year. Taylor Walls might be a little bit better defensively, but he's Taylor Walls. And I think it's an excellent comp because – I think that Lopez is a guy – is Taylor Walls who figured it out a little bit more offensively, yep. and that just means a ton of contact. Make Lopez the best defensive second baseman ever. I don't care. Uh, just, just put Bobby Wood at shortstop, and I think we're on the same page on that one. What I do like, though, uh, in what this indirectly represents, is that the Rays do – or the Rays, excuse me. The Royals want to win now. Yeah, right? Like If you're willing to do this, they want to win now. Yeah, I just don't know if this is the right way of trying to win now But I do like what the larger representation is, right? We need more of – we talk about this all the time, Jack. You've talked about this a lot. We want these teams going for it a bit more. This probably means they're going to go out and do some things. I think the Royals are going to be cautious spenders and and make themselves competitive. I like what they're doing over there in Kansas
0: City. They're trying. Uh, I I do think they're trying, and I I appreciate it. Baseball's more fun for everybody. It's more fun for the front office. It's a, a hell of a lot more fun for the players and the coaching staff. It's exponentially more fun for the fans. And to be honest, it's more fun for the opponents when you are trying to win baseball games. Yeah. Like nobody has any fun interacting with the Baltimore Orioles in 2021. Like you've got more fun watching the Bowie Bay Sox and the Norfolk Tides than you do the Baltimore Orioles in 2021, just because like they're not trying to win but you've got guys that are trying to win down below that will hopefully in two years help you try to win in Baltimore. And that's when it'll be exciting. So the Royals are trying to be exciting and we applaud them for that. One more point to draw a comparison to football again, just to wrap this up Lamar Jackson's freshman year. It was his opening game He came in, you know, I want to say like early second quarter. It was one of those like Chick-fil-A kickoff type games. I think it was Louisville and Auburn in Atlanta or something. My dad and I are watching on TV. My dad is a graduate of the University of Louisville. So, you know, we're watching this kid, Lamar Jackson, come in and play as, as a freshman. And the announcing crew goes on this, you know, tangent about how athletically gifted Lamar Jackson is. In hindsight, it's like, oh, no shit, right? But, I mean, this is an 18-year-old kid from Pompano Beach, Florida. He was like you know? a three-star, too. I mean, yeah. I, we
1: knew about him. I watched him play in high school, and I was like, this guy's, this guy's like really smooth with it. But
0: you've seen a lot of guys that can run with it that are smooth with it. So, yeah, continue. Exactly. So, you know, his first game of college, I, I want to see the analyst said verbatim, he said, I was talking to Coach Petrino. I was talking to Coach Petrino, Bobby Petrino, and he said that he could be an all-American at wide receiver. And my dad screams at the television, then why the hell isn't he playing wide receiver? You know why? Because he won a Heisman trophy at quarterback, and he's an <laughs> NFL MVP at quarterback. So could he be an all-American wide receiver? Hell yeah, he could. Could Bobby Witt be a gold glove third baseman? Hell yeah, he could. But you're putting a cap on him. Yeah. Why put a cap on him when he can have the world as his oyster? It's short. I'm with you. And there's an identity behind it too, right? Like he's going to be
1: the main piece for that team at the captain of the infield, aside from the catcher. But there's just this, this thing about being a shortstop. And it's not like Bobby Wood's been playing third. Like let's, let's put him where, where he's best and where he can really uh, be that marketable star. There's something about shortstops being more marketable than third baseman. It just is what it is. I mean, look at the game. It just is, is what it
0: stop.
1: is. Yeah, everybody wants to be a shortstop, and everybody
0: wants to be a shortstop. Just
1: like everybody, uh, all, everybody wants to play quarterback in their turkey bowl game because they, they're like, oh no, I, I can throw the rock. I, I I almost played in high school or whatever. Yeah, That's always the thing. Like everybody wants to be that guy at the main position. But I want Bobby Witt to be that guy, and I want him to have that swagger, and I want him to to try to. You know, take the league over at shortstop right away. Might not happen. I mean, there's still some swing and miss concern. He might be slow out of the gate, but I want to see him at shortstop. Uh, and I, and I'm hoping that you know the Royals come to their senses on that. Uh, but there's a lot of prospects I think are going to be make, making their way up this year, and I'm really interested to see how teams are going to handle that. You know get Julio Rodriguez with right. the with the Mariners. Are they going to just bring him right up and put him right in the corner? I hope so. Uh, but that's also kind of a crowded outfield, but who gets displaced there? Are they going to stop keeping Kelnick in center where I think he's way better in a corner, but they kept him in center. But Kyle Lewis has knee issues. Like there's so many teams that have these decisions that are tough. And then I look at the Royals. I'm like, this is an easy one, man. Just, just just put him in short. You're good. Uh, But it, it is tough. Sometimes with these prospects, you want to put them in a position to succeed, but you also don't want to temper their ceilings with Bobby Witt he's wherever you put him, he's positioned to succeed. But when I look at like Kelnick and center and some of those things, that's where it might be a different topic uh, about putting guys in the right spot to, to be able to perform.
0: Yeah. But, but there's no question with Bobby Witt and Bobby Witt, Kelnick's already there, but Bobby Witt is knocking on the door. Julio Rodriguez is knocking on the door, whole bunch of guys that are not necessarily knocking on the door, but are approaching the front steps to your porch. Uh, are playing in Arizona right now. The Arizona Fall League. We just saw the the Fall Stars game. I love that little play on words. Fall right Stars, there. great, good uh, stuff. The Fall Star game. We saw Hunter Bishop go yard. We saw you know a couple other guys Peace. perform. We saw some good mustaches. His Arizona State teammate Spencer Torkelson had a great stash. Um, I know you have been adamantly following the Arizona Fall League. I have done an okay job. Not as good a job as I was expecting to do, but that's probably more than 99% of uh, baseball fans to begin with. Give me a couple of takeaways from the Arizona Fall League so far.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny is generally it's it's a really m- a mixed bag of guys that just were injured, didn't get enough reps, or guys that they just wanted to get more reps or working on something, whatever it is. That was the case this year as always, but I felt like there was way more blue chip talent out there this year. Totally. Uh, there's always good talent, but there's like elite dudes out there. Your guy, Bobby Miller. I know you are, you're a big Bobby Miller guy. Cause you get to see him in the Cape, but he's a different dude, as you've said, since when you saw him in the Cape. Uh, and I mean, he was unbelievable, but then you had some of the guys like JJ Bleday who's looking to make, make changes and does and unlocks it. And now looks incredible. Uh, In the Arizona Fall League, four of the hardest hit balls he's hit, four of the five hardest hit balls he's hit this year, dating back to opening day in AA, were in the Arizona Fall League. So in 20 games, he's hit four of the five hardest hit balls uh, in the almost 200 games he played total. Like that, That's really exciting stuff. And that's what I like about the Arizona Fall League is it's just extra time to work on things. It's almost like the NBA Summer League, except you have all more high upside guys. I've loved what we've seen from some of these guys that have just really used it as a coming out party. I think for Baudet, we already knew who he was, but this was an opportunity for him to say, Hey, I'm still that guy. Curtis Mead sets the record for Arizona fall league hitting streak. A guy that we had higher on our top prospect list than anybody else. Uh, How about that kid with the Cubs? Nelson's swinging it.
0: Oh, Nelson.
1: Yeah. Swinging it. And and everybody that I've talked to has been super excited about that kid. Like this is a really cool thing that baseball is going on, and I hope they do a good job of marketing it moving forward. I loved that they had the Fall Starts game on the Arizona, or on the MLB Network. I thought that was phenomenal to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they did that in previous years, but. I think, I think there was a sneaky amount of people that tuned into that. I, I know a lot of our staff did, but our, that's not really a good gauge on the normal right. baseball fan. But Weirdos. I do think people were tuned into that. And, and this is something that I think is marketable, and, and they could do a good job of it. It's fun baseball out there in Arizona. We're talking about nice, nice towns.
0: Uh, so I think it's been fun. This past Saturday was a hilariously, stupidly packed sports day. I mean, it was it was one of the craziest sports days in recent memory for me. I'm not a Sunday guy. I'm really not a sit down and watch NFL football guy. But oh. I am a Saturday guy. Oh my god, am I a Saturday guy? You
1: burn your Saturdays?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. burn
1: your Saturdays on the couch? Oh yeah. I burn my it's Sunday, dude. I mean, other than recording this this stuff, I, my ass doesn't move.
0: Yeah, no. See, I'm I'm get up and get moving on Sundays. I'm get all my stuff done. I'm trying to avoid the Sunday scaries. Saturday, I commit to this is the beginning of the weekend. I'm going to enjoy. And this was my first Saturday off of the entire fall. Wow! Uh, so I that is a perk of Maction there. We got Maction. the game on Tuesday and Wednesday. I've got my Saturdays free to watch everybody else. And I, I love it, right? I work in college football because I love college football. Um, and this Saturday was awesome. It started before I went to bed on Friday night because it was an 11:30 eastern tip off between UCLA and and uh Villanova at Pauley. Pauley was rocking for the first time in about 20 years, which was so cool to see. And you will quickly find out during the off season that Arm and I and Peter are massive college basketball people, like humongous college yeah. basketball people.
1: And so. like it's funny cuz Peter's a big college basketball fan and you and I are so into it that Peter's like I'm not that into it. Like, we're like yeah, you are into it. It's just we're like weirdos about it. Like, yeah. you know, your, your, your stuff about college basketball, but, but Jack and I are talking about, you know, Syracuse's defense, which is super easy to talk about two, three zone, uh, nothing else. But we're talking about philosophical things in basketball for like 20 minutes on the phone. And uh, what's wrong with Syracuse, who actually looks really good in the second half against Drexel uh, earlier today? But college basketball is
0: fun. They're hitting their threes. They're hitting, They're hitting their, their three. But that's he- it. You know old. you've got you've got Villanova UCLA UCLA looks good they look so fast Villanova looks seasoned, um, but UCLA just goes quick. I don't. They got one and two right because Gonzaga on Saturday night was oh, just so far and away. I watched that team.
1: whole game. My roommates from uh, went to the University of Texas oh. and he's like, "We've got all these transfers, like we've got all these dudes. We're gonna win outright." I'm like, "Brother, no, no shot." Chet Holmgren scores scores two points and and they just absolutely pieced him. Drew Timmy's a god among men. Like that, that's great stuff. And I think college basketball has done a really good job of of, of marketing their dudes and and now that these guys can actually make NIL deals. I'm really yes. interested to see what college baseball looks like. Obviously, that there's not gonna be the Zion Williamson's and the Jack Leiter's even uh, I think though can be comparisons to those relative to baseball, right? Like I think Jack Leiter could be, if he, we had NIL deals this past year, Jack Leiter would have had some NIL deals on the table. He's a marketable dude. You look at his social media. He's got tons of followers like base college baseball is getting there a little bit. I don't know if it was a confirmation bias thing because we launched this company, but I felt like there was much more attention on college baseball this
0: year maybe than previous years is that just me am I nuts and no I don't think you're nuts um I think that when the players are exciting people tune in like I remember you know Dansby Swanson at Vandy people tuned in to watch Dansby at Vandy and people tuned in to watch Alex Bregman at LSU that year too yeah I think that Enrique Bradfield can absolutely get a car dealership deal Like Colin Gillespie I heard was on a car dealership ad for like Buick GMC in the Philly area during that UCLA Villanova game. Like that makes a lot of sense. And I think we're going to start seeing that in college baseball. Uh, We almost strayed so far from the point that I forgot how I was going to tie it back to baseball. (laughs) But um, yeah, so it started with UCLA Villanova and then we got a full day of college football with some college hoops sprinkled in. um, And then serving as my appetizer before Gonzaga in Texas was the fall stars game ah. i said oh my god it, it's so fun to have baseball sprinkled in amongst this stuff and it was great to watch because i think you're right it's never really guys that are this far along that are going to the arizona fall league it's a yeah. lot of toys that still need to be fully developed but yeah. i mean spencer Torgelson's out there like he's going to be up in 2022 Dude,
1: Lars Neupar is out there. He was in the wild card game. Yeah, he was good. He was in the wild card game. (laughs) Like, what is he doing out there? I don't know. It's just like extra reps. Yeah, I I love it, though. And I think after the 2020 season, after the alternate training site and all these kind of new things that came out of it, I think teams kind of look at the Arizona Fall League a bit differently uh, than they looked at it in the past. And really placing more priority on reps. There's some guys that were sent out there to kind of just struggle, and they're like, it's okay. Like just just work on things out there. You're good, because uh, I know certain players that that were like, yeah, I'm going out there. I don't really care about the results. I want to work on things in a, in an environment where games are happening and guys are trying to get me out. It's easy to work on things in a batting cage. Uh, it's a bit a little bit different. I love it, and and I'm hoping it's going to be that way moving forward. Because you don't get to see Bobby Miller against Nick Gonzalez and Gabriel Moreno, and well, I mean we're talking about a dozen of our top. 30, 40 prospects. I think we're out there. I mean, yeah. that's, that's awesome. And then an MLB guy just sprinkled in Lars new bar,
0: man, uh, I was about
1: to pinch it in the wildcard
0: game. dude. <laughs> Two guys that I want to hit on before we move on. Um, I do want to hit on Bobby Miller because I mean, this guy just shaking his hand and seeing the way he was built on the Cape after his freshman year at Louisville, versus shaking his hand and just seeing him when he was with Great Lakes, which was the high A affiliate of the Dodgers this year when they were in Fort Wayne. Like this guy's forearms are three times as big now. (laughs) He has put on weight. You know, he was maybe touching 92 after his freshman year at Louisville, and he was exhausted. He went home early and then his sophomore year, I turn it on. I'm like, this guy has the thickest thighs I've ever seen. He did not have those when he was in Brewster. He's a grinder. And if he keeps this work ethic, you know, it, it really does. And I'm not just saying this because he wears tight pants. It really feels like a Walker, Walker Bueller, Bueller. Type work ethic. Because Bueller, when he was at Vandy, you were like, okay, stuff's there. But Carson Fulmer's better. right there was there was never really that argument that walker bueller was the top arm in that class and now moving forward if i had to hand pick a pitcher to be the ace of my staff it's probably that guy because he works his ass off and that's the type of work ethic from the outside in it looks like bobby miller has
1: yeah I see a lot of similarities there too. Some more stuff too. I mean, the way Bobby Miller can attack you with the slider now and then the life on his fastball and and the explosiveness with his lower half. The Dodgers probably saw a little bit of it too. There's a reason why I think they went after this guy uh, when they did and and gave him the bonus that they gave him. I'm a big fan of his. And again, it's it's awesome to be able to watch these guys now and get a little bit of a sprinkle of some more baseball in the meantime. And I hope they broadcast some more games. We were talking about that. I just think it's good for the game. You know, you got people that may not even be that interested in the minor leagues, but if it's on MLB network, you know, and and you're a good, you're a baseball fan and you're between games, you're going to be like, you know what? Let, Let me go see, you know, whatever team I'm a fan of, they'll probably have a player or two in here. Let me see what the future looks like. And let's watch some baseball. Like when you don't have baseball at your disposal, that's the thing is in the, with the minor league season, you have the major league season going on. So you don't, most people don't care as much, which is very understandable. But now, you, there's a lot of baseball fans out there that'd be like, oh, I'd love to just catch a game of quality baseball. You don't get that right now. And, and I think if they put a game on every, every week or so, I think people would tune in. Maybe that's be a little bit of a, a skewed view because I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy. But I don't think that there's any downside of it, especially if it's going to continue to have the level of talent we have now. I understand it when it's the guys like you talked about that were you know 18-year-olds that didn't get reps or you know lower-level prospects that aren't exciting. These guys are worth watching. Like, this is the futures game almost type of talent. Uh, And and I think that they should showcase it, and I hope they do moving forward uh, because uh, I do think there there, is a market to be had with some of these minor league games. Uh, I just don't think that they've
0: really been positioned well enough. ESPN has nationally televised several G League games over the last couple of nights that I have tuned into. I like tuning into G League games because I see – you know, somebody that I loved in college that's in the G league. Right. And, and then you see the ignite kids that, you know, Hey, one might go top 10 here. You tune in for the can't miss prospect and you tune in for sentimental value. Like, Hey, that was my guy. And now he might be looking for a two-way deal. There is a higher baseline level of talent in the Arizona fall league than there is the NBA G league. Oh, so, no televise doubt. it nationally. And if you're getting eyeballs on the G League, you're going to get eyeballs on the Arizona Fall League.
1: I I 150% agree.
0: One more guy I want to touch on quickly before we get to our Hall of Fame thoughts because we are quickly approaching a ballot. What, we've got a ballot coming in seven days. That's when the ballot's finalized. But Uh um, one more guy that I do want to hit on quickly, just because the team that owns his rights is so volatile within our fan base Jeter Downs had a heck of a start to the Arizona fall league and Jeter Downs feels like the piece that can tie a bow on the Mookie deal. To be honest, I don't really care about Connor Wong's development right now. Like Verdugo looks good. Mookie bets is Mookie bets. If Jeter Downs turns out for Boston and if he can find his way out of the roster and be competitive on the roster, I think you view that as like even going forward. Relative to the situation. Relative. I, I think
1: so. Right. Like you, you weren't going to be able to maximize the return when, when teams know that you're not going to keep the dude. Right. I mean, like look at Manny Machado, that trade, they got something though, you know, and like that, you got to get what you can get. Right. Uh, and I thought that given the circumstances, the Red Sox did well. I mean, look where they're at. Verdugo is a big piece for them. Uh, we've, we've seen, you know, what, what they've been able to, to do with Verdugo turning him into one of their main pieces I don't know what's going to happen with Wong, but I think downs definitely makes the deal more palatable. And that's, that's a guy that I think they were as excited about as Verdugo. Cause at the time it's a 2020 guy and, and a guy that seemed like he had a high floor, his approach has kind of gone to the wayside, but I'm really excited to see how he comes back out. Yes. His average is dipped, but it's such a small sample size. He's hit five homers. He's walking a ton. Uh, I think he's walking as much as he struck out in the Arizona fall league. So there's some encouraging signs it would be nice for, for the deal to be a, a little bit more palatable if he becomes a big league piece for them. I think you're totally right. You got two starters out of it, and then maybe a depth piece in Connor Wong. It's probably worth, you know, relative to what you probably would have got elsewhere. Uh, so that is a big name to watch. I agree moving forward.
0: We're going to chronicle our Hall of Fame stream of consciousness often. And all three of us are going to fill out a ballot at some point, And we're going to explain our ballot. But the ballot comes out a week from today. I do believe it's on Monday, November 22nd. And this ballot totally feels like the end of the road for the steroid conversation. You've got Bonds and Clemens on their 10th year. If I'm not mistaken, you've got Sosa on here as well in his 10th year. You've got Schilling in his 10th year. Schilling's a totally different conversation. (laughs) But then you've got A-Rod and Poppy making their first appearance on the ballot. This is the end of the road for who I believe to be the greatest hitter to ever play this sport and one of the greatest pitchers to ever play this sport and the beginning of a guy that was just a couple home runs shy of 700. Yep. And then Poppy, who's Poppy. I mean, without getting into the individuals, where do you stand on Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod and Poppy? Where do you stand on what they did? You know,
1: it's really tough because I think every situation's a little bit different, but at the same time, where do we draw the line? You know, and that's like the, the age old conversation, like Barry Bonds perjured himself, uh, big poppy never caught a suspension. And yes, it's been, you know, pretty much verified as much as possible that, you know, his name has come up in, in many reports. And uh, I don't think that there's too much debate as to whether David Ortiz took steroids or not. I think, I think that's pretty, pretty clear as, as to what the the perception is there at least, But where do we draw that line, right? If we're not letting the best hitter in Major League history and maybe the best pitcher, if not very close to it, I mean, we're talking about guys that produced 130, 160 war between Clemens and and Bonds each, and they're not going to get in. Like, how can you justify putting – somebody even with like pretty solid ties in a David Ortiz or uh, even some of the other players that we've seen, like Manny Ramirez, not even sniffing 30%, Sammy Sosa, not even at 20%. I, I, I think it's gotta be black and white. And yeah. I think that overall they've shown that it's black and white and that's that these guys aren't getting in. Um, who's changing their mind after nine years and saying, Oh, he sweated out enough. I'll put him in now. Like, that's not what this is about. That's not what a Hall of Fame vote is about. It's like, oh, I'm going to make him sweat it out nine years, and then I'm going to vote him in the 10th year. Each year, you're basing your ballot on who you think should be in the Hall of Fame. That shouldn't change after nine, 10 years. I've always thought that was bizarre. Uh, I'm not a fan of of the idea of just totally changing this. I know that a lot of people think Barry Bonds should be in. I personally think that Bonds should be in like if I could do it over I would do it. But I think the precedent's been set and I would ride with the with the larger precedent. Almost like it's law. I, I think it's just been set. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but I already think we've had players fall off the ballot that could have been considered right like the Rafael Palmeros of the world are never going to get in. Yeah like his numbers are are up there with, with some of the top players of all time. Like he's not even you don't even think twice about it with Palmero. But he's not he's done he's out. So where where are we drawing this line? I feel like it's so arbitrary, and I don't love that because it's already arbitrary enough as it is.
0: Yeah. So Dan Bernstein is a sports talk radio host in Chicago. He hosts mm-hmm. Bernstein and Rahimi middays on Six Seventy The Score, uh, long time host in Chicago, an incredibly smart mind, um, one of the people that I see most eye to eye with, pretty much on everything sports. Uh, A lot of people don't like him because he is very mean to uh, callers and and things like that. He just, you know, does present himself to be very smart, but he is very smart. And I love his baseline take on what the Hall of Fame is. And I kind of took it and ran with it with my perspective. What he has simply said about the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame is a museum, right? That's what it is. What do museums do? They chronicle the history of something. So I started thinking about it in the sense of seventh grade social studies class. You're learning about World War II. World War II sucked. Millions of people died. But we still learn about it because it happened. I don't want to compare the steroid era to World War II or World War I or anything bad because obviously... Those two are not the same thing. But when we look at museums, the bad is chronicled in there because it was an era of history. The steroid era was an era of baseball. Barry Bonds has hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball history. Shouldn't you commemorate that? Pete Rose has more hits than anybody in baseball history. Shouldn't you commemorate that? I understand the problem with saying they are a hall of famer because fame is a word that implies that you are respected and you are great. And I think those two are great. Are they respected in the sport? That's the big question there. And even if the answer is no, there were a lot of people that I read about in seventh grade social studies that were not respected by really anybody.
1: So do you, does that mean that you earn that designation of immortality though, right? Like Or they, you could just put an exhibition, right? Here's the steroid era. Go check it out over here on Hall Hall Three on Level Four. Like, couldn't that just be it? We're we're putting him adjacent to, or at least on the same wall as Jackie Robinson. I just think
0: they deserve to be in that big room with all that natural light, and there needs to be this plaque there. You don't think that they should have uh, artificial
1: light? I love that room. You know what I'm saying? The natural light should be for the natural players, artificial light for, for the, the PED users. Yeah, that would be good. Maybe like a little, a, little like a,
0: asterisk. Right, like a Chia lizard. Pet lamp right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do they get a different designation now? Are we just making this thing? like? Yes, I get it's a museum, but it's also the, the highest baseball honor. It is. And are we diminishing the honor uh, of other players? Here's the other thing too, though there's already guys elected in there that have most likely taken steroids, right. That are already in the hall of fame. I, I would bet if gun to my head, you said, if you get this answer wrong, I'm pulling the trigger. Is there somebody in the hall of fame presently that took performance enhancing drugs? Absolutely. I'm saying yes. in half a second, bro. Like it's not, it's not that, it's not that difficult of a question. Absolutely. But knowing that it's like, okay, it's just cause we don't know about it or if we know about it, then, then it's a problem. it's tough. Like a guy comes out later. Like, let's say, let's say, I'm not going to give a specific name because then it's a guy that probably did it. Let's say player X comes out and says, you know, it comes out that, oh yeah, yeah, this guy actually took PEDs. It's it's verified now. What are we going to remove him from the wall? What do you do? Right. So it's a really sticky, sticky situation.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, are we... Kind of dovetailing off of use, using the word "sticky," like, are we going to have this same conversation if Garrett Cole continues this run of dominance here? And it's like, oh, but he used Spider Attack and he was called out, uh, and and that was a problem here. Like, probably not. Steroids are a unique beast. Um, I I think I said this honestly on episode one, just because like I needed you guys to understand where I was at. Um, I think baseball is an entertainment business. Sports are an entertainment business. Only entertainers get paid this much money to do something this fun. Baseball is full of entertainers. If sticking a needle in your ass to hit a ball 500 feet is going to make the product a lot more entertaining, do it. If it's going to make you however many millions of dollars, do it. You hear a lot of stories of these guys juicing in the minor leagues to get up to the major leagues. And obviously, not going to use a name here because that ties you to somebody, but like there are many stories that I've heard of guys that were juicing in the minor leagues to get up to the major leagues. Guess what? Those guys in the minors don't make Jack shit. Yeah. But so they got to juice. If they have to juice to get there and sign the $70 million deal, even if they find them, they're still about $50 million richer. And they're giving that to their families and their grandkids and their great grandkids. Like, it is a life altering thing to make it in this sport. Do what you got to do. It's understandable, but is it also comparable to just like
1: selling your soul to the devil? Like you did it. It's okay. I understand it. I understand it. You got your money and that's what you get. You got your money. Very good. You know, you cashed out. No one can take Barry Bonds, career earnings away. Hell Melky Cabrera cashed out, cashed out, (laughs) out. cashed out. He wouldn't change it. I doubt it. I'm not going to speak for him. I doubt he changes it. You know? So it, it is really tough. I, the way I look at it is like these guys earn accolades that won't get taken away from them. Uh, they've own, earned notoriety, money, all of those things. That, those will never be taken away from them. Hell, they're, they're in the record books still. In the Hall of Fame, they're still in the record books. There's no asterisk. What we're drawing the line at is the highest honor of, of baseball from all standpoints. And, yeah, I'm sure there's some pieces of shit dudes that are in there. I mean, Ty Cobb's oh my in my Hall of Fame. Sure. But but that is what it's like. I mean, this is why Kurt Schilling's not in there. It's, you, Kurt Schilling hasn't been tied to PEDs, so a lot of other reasons why he's not in there. Yeah. Also, some of the, the, the talk about World War II. He likes to collect some things from then. Yes, um, he does. <laughs> the bad side, the, ba- the the wrong team too. <laughs> huh. but, but you know that that to me is like all right. We're we're it's it's kind of a little bit of the hollow morality too, to a degree, right? Like. It's very abstract. And I just think that the president, the precedent is set that those guys don't get in. And I just hope that they stick to it. Then like you said, it this is the point. If Barry Bonds doesn't get in, then see Alex Rodriguez. You're not getting in either, bro.
0: Yeah.
1: like No way. No way.
0: And, and, I, and I think that's where to make That decision. So
1: if, if bonds gets in and, and this is what I want to wrap it up on, like, this is my final thoughts. Yeah. If somehow bonds pulls this miracle off and everybody changes their mind and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We just wanted him to sweat it out. If bonds and a couple of those other guys get in, then hell, a Rod's got to get into. And I know some people missed the boat. I know Palmero missed the boat and some of those other guys, unfortunate, but once that, that wall kind of breaks and the water comes flying out, like you got to just let it keep running at that point. then you're putting all the, you're putting all the roids guys in. And you might have to go executive order, whatever they call it with, with the, you can like pick one guy a year and bring him in. Might as well start just throwing all the other old hall, uh, roid users in there too. Like at that point, if you're getting bonds in, like, why not go back and executive order Palmero back? I forget what they call it with like the actual process of where you can vote in a guy that's off the ballot. Did the Uh, senior vote, they did that with senior vote or something. Yeah. I just call it executive order. Yeah. Uh, But like at that point you might as well just senior vote these other dudes back in one at a time. <laughs> like if we're going to do it, do it all the way. That's just my thing. It's like, there shouldn't be like a steroid. Like how much did he cheat versus how good he was sliding scale. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, he got caught twice, but he hit 762 jacks. So it's yeah. okay. Oh, he only got caught once. And he said, sorry, a bunch of times. So his 500 home runs will play. Like yeah. th- that's where uh, like, man, he got caught three times. Like he's out, like w- that's where I'm like, it shouldn't be a sliding scale. Let's make it cut and try.
0: But that's my but final thoughts. Isn't that another baseball analogy? Three strikes, you're out. <laughs> um, I think I've heard that one. Uh, one final thought for me to wrap up. Um, and this is not a talent related whatsoever, but this – call did not make the cut for our show intro but it is my favorite call of all time it's Dwayne Kuyper's call of Barry Bonds's 756th home run uh it is amazing it's the 756 Bonds yeah stands alone I mean it is the best call in sports history it's that one that just no matter how many times I listen to it sends shivers down my spine and makes me say damn this is the coolest sport in the world And we still barely like see that clip. Still barely see. That's a big problem for
1: baseball. Your all-time hits leader and your all-time home run leader are never shown. Like how often have we seen seven fifty six? I've seen that stupid uh, Michael Jordan buzzer beater where he hangs up in the air in the Gatorade oh. commercial and then fist bumps like crazy. I've seen that play a thousand times.
0: 1000 times.
1: 756 is way
0: cooler. It's not even close. I've seen Doug Flutie's bullshit a million oh, times. Oh god, how many
1: times? Like yes, that 756 call should be what I hear and that's part of the problem and that's why if we're going to let these guys in, I'm okay with it because maybe that'll be the starting of of like getting these guys more involved. Other than Pete Rose, just permanently, perpetually signing autographs in Vegas. Like that's, that's really depressing. At least Bonds was at the game in San Fran during the yeah. playoffs. It was nice to see him there. He got the standing O. I know Bonds is not the nicest dude in the world, but I'd like to see some of the game's best players involved more. We saw Griffey involved at all-star weekend, like more of that, please. And if it takes electing these guys into the hall of fame to do it, screw it. I'm in. And then yeah. that's where.
0: And listen, we, we always view Ruth and Maze and Aaron and, you know, Cobb and all these guys with, with such this high platform. We think they are gods. We've got a couple of living gods right now with Bonds, Griffey, Moe, Jeter. I mean, we've got some living gods, some deities right now, and we got to respect them and we got to pay our dues there. Um, he's Aram. I'm Jack. Any link you need, including our personal social media handles, is uh, in the episode description. You're close to the mic. What you got to say? I love how you just know
1: we've got hoodies now. Oh, yeah, we do have hoodies. It's cold out and we've got hoodies and they look fresh. Our guy Kendall killed it and uh, I can't wait for mine to get in and uh, you can place your
0: orders for some nice hoodies. Lots of options. Uh, I got to place mine. Do we have a promo code again? Fade Jack or no?
1: No Fade Jack for the hoodies right now
0: but we'll see.
1: We'll see how they sell. And we also have some not gambling advice shirts.
0: True. Uh, Speaking of not gambling advice, you want to do the thank you everybody. Thank you, everybody.